Hey, what's up? This is Jason from Centerpoint Church in Hendersonville, Tennessee. We're so excited to be able to spend some time with you today. We hope that this message from God inspires you and makes you continue living life on purpose and for a purpose. Let's dive right in. So good. Good morning, Centerpoint. Is anyone excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Is anyone excited? Come on. I want to welcome everybody who's joining us online. We are thankful you are here. For those of you that are in the house, hope you came expecting to hear from God. I hope you came expecting his living word to talk to you wherever you are today. We are starting this new collection of talks called Retro, Old Habits to Bring Back. And if you're like me, I don't know when the things that are normal to me became retro, but, but they have become retro. So we're going to talk about different things that the church used to emphasize that maybe have kind of faded away or maybe aren't, as, aren't considered as in vogue. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about different things, old habits we need to bring back. But you know you're getting old when you start a story with when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I want you to go on a journey with me to when I was a kid. The United States of America had a leader that was the voice of the people. And, and no, I'm not talking about Jimmy Carter. I'm not talking about Ronald Reagan. I'm talking about John Bon Jovi who reminded the people that we are living on a prayer. I, I want you to go back, and, and this should be easy to do because my favorite part of this church is this blue carpet. And you might be thinking, Jason, that's your, that's your favorite part. It is because it reminds me of a place in which so many good memories are just cemented in my mind called Blockbuster Video. And, and, and some of you, you know nothing about Blockbuster Video, but Blockbuster Video taught me many, many life lessons. You could be so lucky to be able to step foot in a Blockbuster Video. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about different things like food and music and movies. But, but today I want to talk about food. I want to talk about retro food. My kids don't know the joy of, that was in me when I got home and I could smell that my mom was cooking sloppy joes. Some of you don't even know what sloppy joes are. My kids, I don't think they've ever had a sloppy joe. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about with the sloppy joe. Now think in your mind, when was the last time you had a sloppy joe? Some of you are looking around like, is he making this up? What is a sloppy joe? about fish sticks <laughs> fish sticks probably made out of about 10% fish <laughs> oh I was excited when it was fish sticks and macaroni and cheese night at the ball household growing up hamburger helper oh that was what we called an exciting Friday night blockbuster video and a hamburger helper y'all know nothing about an exciting Friday night are you ready for this one crystal pepsi Oh, gosh. Crystal Pepsi. It was Pepsi 
that looked like Sprite. I, I don't even know what it tasted like, but it was wonderful. Crystal Pepsi. What about TV dinners? Heating, some of you are like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. TV dinners, sitting around the TV watching Johnny Carson. We had to get up. No channel surfing then. I was the remote growing up. My mom would be like, Jason, go turn the channel. I was the remote. Food. Did you know that in the Bible, there are two different instances in which God actually tells someone to eat the word of God. Like to eat it, to ingest the word of God. That's what I want to look at today. An old habit that the church needs to bring back is the importance of the word of God. Now, now I'm not saying that the church today or that this generation or that you young people or that any of us is irreverent towards the word of God. I believe that we have underestimated the power of the word of God. And when we minimize the word of God, we actually minimize the cross. I'm going to say that again. When we minimize the word of God, we actually minimize the cross. And that's what I want us to look at today. Now, now I get it. We read the Bible. But over the last like two weeks, God has really been stretching me, thinking, how inundated are we with information 99% of it is useless. And, and, and here's what I, I found myself doing, and, and maybe I'm not the only one. When there was a moment where there was any downtime, whether it be a conversation, whether I'm using the restroom, sometimes the, the temptation is there when you're sitting at a red light, which is terrible, is to what? Take out your phone. And what are you doing? You're looking at useless information. Useless and your brain can only handle so much information. And so I think that that might be why the word of God has lost some of its power in our life. Is not because we think that it's useless, but more of we have so much useless information in here that the word of God doesn't have time to marinate and take root. Now, I don't know about you, but it would be nice if God could just download something into me and I know it right away so I can move on to more important things. But it doesn't work that way. The word of God is often like a crock pot, but we want it to be like it's a drive through fast food window. And so I want to look at two different times in scripture where God actually has someone ingest it. Now, what does ingest mean? To absorb into the body, to take into the body. I think about Psalms 119 when it says, thy word have I hidden in my heart so that I may not sin against thee. It, it, the, the point of it is, is how do we get it on the inside? Why is it important and why on earth does the Bible, when it talks about, and it's figurative language, but eating the word of God, what does that have to do with you and I today in our lives? Well, I'm glad you asked. Two different men that we are looking at today, Ezekiel, and we're looking at John. Now, before we get into Ezekiel, let me just set up a little bit of context for you. Ezekiel is an Old Testament prophet. Now, prophets, where God would normally speak to the prophet, the prophet would then put the, the information out to the people. He'd proclaim it to the people. Now, <laughs> now, now, full disclosure, if a prophet came walking into your town, you, it's probably not a good thing. I think about when Ahab talked about Elijah and he said, you troubler of Israel. Like the prophets were probably considered rabble rousers because most of the time they're not bringing good information. You got one of those friends 
Don't point if they're in the room, but like when you get a text from them, you're like, oh, geez, what's wrong now? I'm that way with Lewis, our treasurer here. When I get a text from Lewis, I don't even know if he's in here. If I get a text from Lewis, it's not, hey, Jason, great message. It's, hey, Jason, the water pipe is busted. It's going to cost a blank to fix it. Like, Lewis is my prophet. And I'm like, oh, geez. Like, when the prophets would come in, they would have messages for people. Oftentimes, it was because of a judgment of God was coming or was to address their rebellious nature. And so Ezekiel is about to have to deliver a message to the Israelites who are being very Israelite. Like, Israelite's going to Israelite. And, and they're being rebellious. And he's about to have to tell them this message. And it's not going to be great. But I want you to pay attention to this language that is being used and the process that God has. God doesn't say, I'm going to tell it to you. And <laughs> there's Lewis. I'm going to tell it to you. And then you're going to speak it. No, no. He wants it, you to ingest it. He wants it to be on the inside so that, that we can be equipped I've talked too much. We're in Ezekiel chapter 2. We're starting off in verse 6. This is God talking to Ezekiel. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them or their words. Do not be afraid, though briars and thorns are all around you and you live among the scorpions. Remember that part. Do not be afraid of what they say or be terrified of them, though they are a rebellious people. What does this have to do with you in your life today? You must speak my words to them, whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are rebellious. He's telling him, listen, whether they take this or not, it doesn't matter. I'm asking you to do something. And the end result or what you perceive as the end result doesn't justify the actions. If God is telling you to do it, you do it regardless of if it appears as if it's going to work or not. Verse 8, but you son of man, listen to what I say to you. Do not rebel like that rebellious people. Here you go, under, here you go underline this. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. That's weird. That's strange. Some of the things in the Bible, I'm like, huh? Like, open your mouth and eat what I give you. This is Ezekiel. Then I looked and saw a hand stretched out to me, and it was a scroll which he unrolled before me. On both sides of it were written words of lament and mourning and woe. That's not going to taste very good. It's like when someone's like, oh, this is gross. Here, taste it. <laughs> no, this smells awful. Here, smell this. And that's kind of a, anyway, sorry. Verse three, we're, we're in chapter three now. Verse three, and he said to me, son of man, eat what is before you. Here it is again. Eat this scroll, then go. Underline that. Write that down. Eat this scroll, then go. We're gonna come back to that in a moment. And speak to the people of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me the scroll to eat. Then he said to me, son of man, eat the scroll I am giving you and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it. And now, listen to it, it tasted sweet as honey in my mouth. He then said to me, son of man, go now to the people of Israel and speak my words to them. This is important, church. Remember, we underlined, eat this scroll, then go. Eat this scroll, then go. This is the order. The preparation comes in first, then the work. The preparation, then the work. But we in today's society, we don't like the preparation time. We like the work time because the work starts showing results. But that's not how God works. 
God wants the preparation first. The first time that King David stepped into the palace was actually to serve King Saul. And it was because he was good at playing the harp of the lyre. He was good at it. But the preparation to get him to the palace took place when no one was looking, when no one was watching. If you want to make a difference in the kingdom of heaven, it takes preparation first. It takes the ingesting of it, the digesting of the word of God. Now, I want you to remember this. I don't just want us to stand up here and be entertained, laugh a little bit, be impressed by me. That's a waste of time. What I want you to do is come in here, be reminded, be equipped so that you can go out and win the world for Jesus. That's the purpose of us being here. Otherwise, we are wasting our time and you need to get your money back because the show ain't that great. The word of God, I want you to remember this. So I'm gonna give you something really funny and really memorable because I want you to walk away with, I've got to ingest the word of God so then I can go and face the world because he says there are thorns around you. He said you're surrounded by scorpions. We can't just go out there on our own accord and do great things for the kingdom of heaven. You can't even just go through life without God. Have you ever seen what like your life looks like without Jesus? It's probably terrible. It has to be. Okay, you want to have some fun? Zero people in the room want to have some fun today. Zero people. You want to have some fun? This is church. We can't have fun. Please, really, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Come on now. This ain't a library. It's a pep rally. Tristan and Thomas, thank you for being voluntold. Come on up to the stage. Come on. Oh, you cheer for them. You haven't clapped for me one time. So, the subtitle of this message is Eat the Scroll, which is weird, right? But it starts to make a little more sense now. Like when you go to lunch today and someone's like, hey, what was the sermon on today? Eat the scroll. What? Eat the scroll. I want you to remember this, okay? So I have five different pieces of paper here, okay? Now, again, this is real cheap. I'm going to move this out of the way so we have plenty of room to watch you guys throw up. So, uh, to, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm sorry. Is this on? Sorry. So here's what I want. I have... It's on poorly. Here you go. So I have five pieces of paper, and much like the Word of God, they have been marinating all week in five different substances. And so what you're going to do in just a moment is one at a time, we are going to eat the scroll, and you are going to try to guess what it has been marinating in. Now, here's the thing. I did check with them. They do not have food allergies, and everything that this has been marinating in, you will find in a normal refrigerator. Not saying it's good, but you will find it in a normal refrigerator. It has been marinating for a while. So here's what I want you to do. Let's start with, uh, yeah, this one will be good. I want you to eat, eat this piece of paper, both of you, and then you're gonna guess what's in it. Don't smell it. Just eat it. Yeah, yeah, like a goat. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. If you don't like that one, you're in trouble. That was the easy one. All right, tell me into the microphone what you think that has been marinating in. A banana? I don't know. Okay, so hold on a second. How can this marinate in a banana? <laughs> like, do you think that I, like, sliced it open and then closed it over? Like, I don't... But that's okay. Listen, I'm not here to patronize you. Thomas... It just tastes like paper. Just tastes like paper. <laughs> this has been marinating in orange juice this week. Orange juice. Oh, okay. Next one. 
Mm, let's see. Okay. Let's try this one. Just You can set that on that table. It's fine. It's gross. It is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next one. Now, I'll give you a hint. This is found in a pantry. You can have another one if you want. <laughs> All right. What is it? Vinegar? Vinegar. Not a bad guess. Just tastes like paper. Just tastes like paper. All right. That is green beans that has been marinating in a can of green beans. You want another one? Okay. Now listen, don't let the color scare you, but give that one a shot. Oh, wow. It is, probably is. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that one came out quick. Yeah, okay. Um, I don't know. Okay, then hand the mic to him. Paprika. Paprika. No, it's just um, Frank's uh, hot sauce. That's what that one is. All right. This one now, that's not mold. I think. <laughs> have another one. <laughs> All right, make a guess. That one tastes like a banana to me. So. A banana, though the paper is clearly purple, but that's okay. Grape juice. Grape juice is correct! Oh. Yes! <laughs> Yes. All right. Last one. Last one. Yeah. Honey. Honey. Good guess. Syrup. That is Mrs. Buttersworth syrup. Nice job. You can take that with you. Give a hand for our voluntolds. Nice. I want you to remember that. Because one, it's okay for us to have fun in here from time to time, but I also want to give you an idea, that you will, a picture that will burn in your memory. So here's the thing. You're about to find out, because we're about to transition to John, and this is when he receives the revelation, that different parts of Scripture have different tastes to them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. They have different tastes to them, and we're going to talk about this. So now we're going to pick up in Revelation. So we talked about Ezekiel, and God wanted him to ingest it so he could have it marinate in him. It could be a part of who he is before the actions followed. And now God is about to give John the revelation, and we see the same figurative language of eating the scroll. Two different times in Scripture. One in the Old Testament, one at the very, very end of the New Testament. So here, here it is. We're picking up in Revelation chapter 10. And this is uh, uh, John talking about what happened. So I went to the angel and asked him to give me the little scroll. He said to me, take it and eat it. Once again, we see in Scripture eating a scroll. It's kind of weird. It will turn your stomach sour. But in your mouth, it will be sweet 
as honey. At first, it's going to taste good, but it's going to hurt a little bit once it goes down into your intestine. Verse 10, I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and I ate it. It tasted sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. Then I was told you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. Here's what you need to understand is that John is taking on this message of God in order to give it to other people. Now in Revelation, unlike Ezekiel, he won't physically be doing it. He'll be writing it down and it will go out. But, but there's two different types here. There, there, there's part of the word of God that will be sweet and there's a part of it that isn't going to taste so good. And this is the duality. This is the dichotomy of scripture is that there's portions of it that are awesome. There's portions of it that are difficult. They have different tastes. Everybody loves Jesus as Savior. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gives only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3, 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. We love that scripture, and it is powerful. We love as far as the east is from the west. That's how far he's removed your transgressions from you. We, we love that. That's the good part. That's the sweet part of scripture. But sometimes we get in the habit of only jumping around to taste the sweet parts of scripture, the stuff that's in, that's in syrup or grape juice, but, but we want to stay away from the hot sauce and the Tabasco sometimes. What are some of those scriptures? The ones where it says that you have to die to your flesh. The one where you said, where, where parts where it says you have to submit. You can't submit until you disagree. Society doesn't like that. Because society says, this is what I am attracted to. This is what my flesh desires. So I'm going to go do that. And I'm going to justify it by only picking portions of scripture that are sweet that I want to taste. But it's either all true or none of it's true. You know the part that is the most difficult for me to digest? And this should keep you up at night. Is that I have family that have not given their life to the Lord. And when scripture says that they're gonna be in a place of eternal damnation, separated from God with no light, that is called with the weeping and gnashing of teeth, that part is sour in my stomach. And that should be a reminder to us of why we are here. That should be a reminder to us of what our purpose is. Portions of the Bible are sweet to taste, Portions of the Bible are sour in the stomach because it requires obedience, requires submission, requires dying to your flesh. It's not about what you want to do. There is something greater going on. We love Jesus as Savior. We oftentimes have difficulty with Jesus as Lord. I'm gonna say that again. The sweet part is Jesus as Savior. The difficult part is Jesus is Lord. Why? Why? Does the Bible give us a blueprint of how to get through this world? Why is it so important that we use the Bible as our constant, as our north star, as our anchor? Why? Because society and culture, there's an ebb and flow and it's constantly changing. But the word of God never changes. It's the ancient of days. So why? 
Does God say that we need to be obedient to the scriptures? Is it because he likes good little boys and girls that are cookie cutters that say, yes, sir, and, and, and follow along? Well, if he'd wanted that, he wouldn't have given us free will. So, so why on earth does he give us the Bible? I'm so glad you asked. I want you to hear what's recorded in the book of Joshua. Now, he, when, when, when Joshua is talking about the law, he's talking about the Torah, the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the first five books. And, and he's talking about why is the law important. And it might surprise you why God wants us to follow what the word of God says, what his word says. Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your what? Oh, now we're talking about food again. We're talking about ingesting again. But you shall meditate it on it when? Day and night. Why? So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way, he will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. This is what God's been stretching me on. Are you ready? What percentage of my day Am I taking information in from the world, from Fox News, from CNN, from social media, from Facebook, but all of these different things, the radio, podcasts, all of this compared to what percentage of the time am I taking in the word of God? And I wonder why sometimes my default is my flesh instead of my default is the character of God. Well, I hope that makes you miserable too. If you have kids, I think you understand why God is telling us to do things that he tells us to do. It's nothing about control. It's about wanting them, wanting us to be prosperous. My, my kids, they have to go to bed on a school night at 8.30. Now, that ain't bad. And my youngest, because she's hilarious, and she's like her mother, doesn't just do what I tell her to do. She needs to know the why. And she says, what do you guys do? After 8.30. <laughs> Why is 8.30 so important? She says, do you guys like put us to bed so you can party? And I'm like, yep, you got it. I can't wait for you to go to bed because the moment that you close your eyes, a disco ball falls from our ceiling. All of our neighbors come over here. We blare our boom boxes and we just have a great house party, but it's all banking upon you falling asleep at 8.30. That's why. <laughs> she actually believed me. She's like, there's a disco ball up there? <laughs> she gets that from me. Why do I want my kids to go to bed at 8.30? It has nothing to do with control. It's not because I want them to miss out on fun. It's because I know they need to get a good night's sleep or they'll be useless tomorrow for school. And if you don't know how to learn how to read, if you don't take education and hold it up high, you're probably not gonna be super successful later on down the road because my kids only understand what it's like to be a six and an eight-year-old and they don't understand why multiplication is gonna be important for a six-year-old when mommy and daddy pays all their bills and they have a refrigerator that just magically resupplies itself with food all the time. They don't understand that there's more than just where they are right now. The word of God is the same way. We need to understand it now for where we're going to go. We've got to submit and be obedient to what the word of God says, but how do we know what the word of God says? I don't want you to have me be the only person that reads you the Bible throughout the week. Retro. 
as time goes on, I think that we take the word of God and we make it less important. And then society says, did the same thing that Satan said in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say, did God really tell you that you can't? And we're deceived. I'm gonna give you a very funny example. It's really over the top. But I want you to imagine for a moment if my wife called me on the phone. I look at the ringer and it says, my wife or love of my life or mi espousa es mi vida or whatever, you know? Like just imagine that. Now it actually just says Stacy Bob. But let's just imagine that it said one of those sweet things. And some of you, I've seen your contacts, your spouse has like a heart emoji next to it, like all that, very sweet. But I want you to imagine for a moment that I answered my phone, the, the caller ID said it was my wife, but then when she talked, it sounded like James Earl Jones. Now, for those of you who don't know who James Earl Jones is, you're about to know, he did the voice of Darth Vader and Mufasa, okay? Woo, say it again, Mufasa, all right? <laughs> and I want you to imagine for a moment that that's what it sounded like. And the voice of James Earl Jones said, Jason, sweetheart, honey bun, whatever you call your spouse. I've never called my spouse honey bun once in my life, but I'm upset with you, so I'm going to burn the house down. Click. Now, first of all, that'd be alarming on a lot of levels. Would I fall for that? Though the caller ID said, my wife... First of all, that's not what her voice sounds like. And I know that because I've spent hours and hours and hours listening to the sound of her voice. So rather than having to determine what her voice sounds like, it's so much easier to know that's not the voice of Stacy. Also, I know that if she was upset with me, she wouldn't burn the house down. Because I know that's not her character. I know that's not who she is. Funny example but let's transition now to a deeper theological truth. And if you missed this, you've missed it all. I have a friend who about a year and a half ago was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And he's old. And normally when you get that diagnosis at his age, it's essentially a death sentence. And I remember I was really, really worried for him. And I went up to him one day. So I would check on him. And I went up to him one day because he was still at church. He's an usher. He's faithfully serving. And I remember saying, like, how are you doing? His hair's gone at this point. The radiation has taken a number on his body. And I was like, are you okay? And he says, Oh, I'm fine. God's got this. And I'm like, you're not fine. Like, why am I more worried for you than you are? You're going to die. Like, this is bad. It doesn't look good. You look like a walking skeleton. Why am I so concerned for you? And you say, oh, it's going to be fine. I'm here fit, serving faithfully. God's got it. This is what happens as a result of decades of walking with the Lord. He's been walking with the Lord for 60 years. You don't think there's value in that? Because he knows he can look back and be like, man, God has been faithful this whole time. He's not going to fail me now. 
And if this takes me here, then I have 100% healing in eternity. I know that this isn't from God because I know the character of God. And this is going to be important because we need to establish this before difficult times come. Remember, with Ezekiel, he had to ingest it, then go. Too many people in the world are trying to figure out their theology when they're in the middle of the storm. And that's a hard place to be at. What we need to do is that we need to understand the character of God before we encounter the difficult times. So we know that when God says no weapon formed against you shall prosper, we know the character of God. When he says, if I am for you, who be against you? We know that his promises are true because you're going to face difficulty. Some of you are in that season right now. Some of you have been through some pain. And we need to know the character of God. We need to know the voice of God so that we can separate from our own voice, from the voice of culture, the voice of the enemy. We have to understand the character of God and the voice of God before we go. There's only one way. You know what the number one way God speaks to people is today? It's through his word. Through his word. So my challenge to you is to not just have reading your portion of the Bible something on a checkoff list, not something that you'll get to one day, but to make it a priority. Now, here's, here's a very practical way that we can do this because I don't want you to just feel guilty and be like, I'm terrible, I don't read my Bible enough, I'm leaving, I wonder what's for lunch today. I, I, I want to give you a practical thing. If it is not a part of your daily habit, make it a part of your daily habit starting today. You can start in Matthew, read tr- three chap- chapters a day, three chapters a day, starting in Matthew, and you'll be at the end of Revelation before January 1st, starting today. But if we look at, and we're like, ah, I'll never get there. It's like saying, I'm never gonna get to the end of the Boston Marathon, but it starts with just getting off your couch and walking around the neighborhood one time. So my challenge to you is bring this retro habit back of elevating the word of God. And if the name of Jesus is lifted up, it says he will draw all others to him. In jest, then go. Would you join me in that journey? Old habits to bring back. Let's be a church that elevates the word of God above all else to draw others to the name of Jesus. Would you stand and pray with me? Lord, I pray for each and every person within the sound of of my voice, God. I, I, I thank you, Lord, that you are the pursuer. I thank you, Lord, that you love us just the way we are, but you love us too much to keep us that way. And I thank you, Lord, for your word, your living word. And that as a representation of you and your Holy Spirit, that the word can mean different things to different people in different seasons of life, God. And I just pray that we be a church that elevates the word of God for one purpose, to draw everyone to you, Lord. May we spend some time with you this week, God. 
Lord, I thank you for not giving up on us. I thank you for never just being disappointed that you just reach us. You are the pursuer and you always lead with love, God. I thank you for that. I thank you for not giving up on me. And I thank you, Lord, for your word. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. If this message inspired you in any way, we would love to hear your story. If you made a decision of any kind, we want to hear that as well. Please reach out to us on any of our platforms at CenterpointTN, or you can go to CenterpointTN.com and click on Contact Us. We would love to partner with you. We would love to pray for you, and we want to hear more about you and your story and what God is doing in your life. If there's any way that you want to financially partner with us, you can do that as well at centerpointtn.com. Click on the Give button. We're excited to be going through this journey together and excited about what God is doing in your life.